David Montgomery's groin injury could be a game changer for the Bears and fantasy players alike. We talk about it on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15 for Thursday, August 27th. You know my voice, I am Michael Beller here with you every episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Today I am joined by a special guest as we talked about yesterday, Derek Van Riper on vacation. In his place for today's episode is Jake Seeley. Jake, what's going on? Thanks for gracing us with your presence on Fantasy Football in 15. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's with the coworkers around here. You know, Brandon goes on vacation in August. DVR goes on vacation in August. I, like, it's August. You don't take vacation in August. I mean, August twenty seventh, <laughs> two weeks from today is week one of the NFL season. Chiefs, Texans, getting things started. Uh, yeah, two weeks from today. I'll I'll give him credit for all the baseball work that he does. I mean, maybe he needed it. Maybe it's just it's too much at one point. <laughs> That's true. That is actually true. It's it's really it's Brandon. It's Brandon who's still totally uh, killing us with these August yeah, no vacations. No excuse for Brandon. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. We've got a few big news items to talk about on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. We're going to dive in with by far the biggest one from Wednesday's practices. David Montgomery left Bears practice on Wednesday. At first, this looked like a very scary injury. He went down, non-contact, slipped on the ground immediately, grabbed at his groin area, started limping, limped off the field. After practice, Matt Nagy said it's just a groin strain for the time being. He's going to get more tests, but he was able to do all of this under his own power. So as you and I sit here and record this episode, Jake, it sounds as though he has avoided serious injury, but we can't be sure until all these tests are run. Non-contact, always a bad thing. And the Bears don't really have anyone on this roster who can step into the David Montgomery role. It's not going to be Tariq Cohn. If they're without David Montgomery, they're going to have to sign a running back. What do you see when you look at the situation? It looks bad. I mean, if you saw the video by now, it, it definitely looks pretty severe if it's just a groin mm. strain. I mean, I'm talking like the high grade. And, of course, the worst case scenario would be if it came off the bone, which I pray for him that's not the yes. case because, good God, just for his life, I hope that's <laughs> not the case. Uh, but, you know, this is one is that, hey, look, if you're in a dynasty, if you've already drafted, if you're in a keeper or whatever – this is go grab Cordero Patterson. I mean, they used him as a running back. I don't think that he'd be the lead, but he might be in the mix depending on who else they bring in. I, I doubt that they just go with what they have now between Patterson, Cohen, and Nall. Uh, I, I tweeted about this before. Cohen's role is not going to change. They're either right. going to bring somebody in, they're going to go with what they have, they're going to figure something out. The obvious name sitting out there still is Devontae Freeman. If he's sitting out there on Dynasty or anything like that, just go grab him in case, although I'm surprised if anybody's been leaving him out there. I know his contract demands have been crazy, but this is all it's going to take. If Dave Montgomery, if we got word already by now, it was like the Achilles, like some, including myself, speculated because they said it wasn't his name. Well, what else is there when it looks that bad is like you start thinking Achilles. If he's out, Devontae Freeman, this is the situation he's waiting for. Is He's probably not going to get the $10 million, but... I have to assume if David Montgomery was gone for half the year, they would strongly consider Devontae Freeman at this point. I think they would. I think Spencer Ware could be in the mix here as well. Obviously, he and Matt Nagy crossed over in Kansas City for a couple of years there, so have to believe that he would have at least a pretty good handle on what the Bears' offense looks like, so I think he could be in the mix as well. This is all, of course, speculative until we learn a little bit more about David Montgomery, but again, it looked like a bad injury, so fingers crossed that it looked worse than it actually is, and we can check back in 
on David Montgomery in the coming days, certainly. Uh, a couple other news items just to run through really quickly. Quickly, Chris Godwin sort of quietly has missed a few practices here. He's missed three recent practices, including back-to-back sessions on Tuesday and Wednesday. Bruce Arians not offering anything by way of details, so this is something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's anything to get too concerned about just yet, but definitely watch Chris Godwin's practice participation as these next few days roll on. Not going to want to get worried about him just yet. He is Chris Godwin, but if we're still talking about this a week from now, then maybe you do get a little bit concerned. Our Paul Daner Jr. reporting from Bengals camp that Joe Mixon didn't practice Wednesday for undisclosed reasons. Zach Taylor told Paul that he does have a minor injury, nothing too serious at this point. We'll keep an eye on this one for you. Le'Veon Bell also did not practice on Wednesday. Weird things happening with Le'Veon Bell because it was first reported he has a hamstring injury, and that's why he didn't practice. Then he came out himself and said, I don't have a hamstring injury. I don't know what that's about. So it seems like the Jets just can never get anything right, even when it comes to (laughs) reporting what their own injuries are. Uh, We'll, again... Keep an eye on this situation as it unfolds, but for the time being, it seems like all these guys, Godwin, Mixon, Bell, we're not too worried about any of the three of them. I, I'm still worried about Bell just because of who he's playing for, and this is the perfect example. <laughs> okay. playing, like, like The fact that he came out and tweeted that I'm not hurt, and then the injury <laughs> news came from Gase, I mean, what more of a red flag do you need before you draft Le'Veon Bell at this point? Like We talked about him on our normal show, and I don't feel comfortable with him outside of RB3 at this point. This is a normal show, Jake. You know what I meant. <laughs> RB3. So that also means you're not taking him. He hasn't fallen to me. I actually haven't got – I'm willing to take him as my RB3, even high in RB3, but he hasn't fallen far enough. And here's this is what I'm going to go back to. This is an overarching strategy for everybody out there. This is why I pound the table for running back in the first, if not the first, definitely the second. In the first two rounds, usually the first three rounds I get two is because when you're deciding on Le'Veon Bell – I'm drafting wide receivers. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about this decision. I'm not worried about David Montgomery before the injury. I'm not worried about, is he going to look better than he did last year? I'm not worried about Melvin Gordon's split with Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about those running backs because I already got my two, and now I'm drafting wide receivers who are still in the wide receiver one potential conversation, like the DJ Charks, the DJ Moores, the Keenan Allens, all these guys who you know, are one step away from being wide receiver ones, and at worst case, they're mid-level, which are high-end level wide receiver twos. Seems like that wide receiver group first, that running back group, other guys you could throw in there, James Conner, David Johnson. It just feels like it's so easy to focus on what would go wrong with the backs and what would go right with the wide receivers. And maybe that tells you exactly what group you want to be picking from when you yeah. get into those Because even if it rooms. goes wrong with those wide receivers, what's worst case? They finish exactly. 20th? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the group of players that I would rather be going from with those guys. One guy who could have been in that range, if not for his foot injury, is Debo Samuel. We've been waiting for him to get back on the practice field in San Francisco. Matt Barrows, one of our two 49ers beat reporters, uh, reporting on Wednesday's practice that uh, Debo Samuel was out there. He was, quote, sprinting hard, that it was easily his most intense workout of training camp yet. Uh, The 49ers saying all the right things and the fact that Debo is still trying to be ready for week one here. My question to you, Jake, I know that you like Debo Samuel. I know you like getting him. I know you're happy to stash him. It's Debo Samuel plus whoever fills in for him, not just Debo Samuel and a zero for those few weeks. Are you willing to draft him at ADP? Are you, do you need a discount or will you take him at ADP knowing that there's a good chance he still misses a few games? No, I'm taking him at ADP because, it, like you said, it's the replacement plus Debo means I'm probably getting a top 20 wide re- I'm, I am. I'm getting a top 20 wide receiver. I will say this, though. If this news, so it's funny, the news is positive, but I don't like it because 
Right. No, it, it, I think you know why, and I know that's. I think that's why you chuckled is because Trent Taylor's the perfect example last year. This kind of injury, inside injuries, rights for us. Uh, they even said the same thing. This is a type of injury you don't force back. You don't force this one. You don't try to, like Saquon Barkley with his knee, you don't try to beat the clock. Like you're, you, Just because you're a freak athlete, this is one you don't screw around with. And if he's pushing for week one, you know, sprinting straight ahead is a lot different than making cuts and running routes. But if he's going to keep pushing for week one and they're going to let him keep pushing for week one, now I'm going to start fading him because – I don't want him out there week one. I want the replacement guy. I want Debo at 100%. I don't want Debo at 90 because this kind of injury, Debo at 90, probably means he's going to aggravate the injury again. Yeah, you want him to be fully 100% when he does come back, even if that means sacrificing two, three, even four games, right? As long as he is himself when he is back. I mean, he really could be one of those big payoff guys because – Outside of George Kittle, this is a very unsettled pass catcher situation. Debo Samuel, it's not like someone's going to supplant him from that wide receiver one role in San Francisco. When he's healthy, he is the guy and easily a top two pass catcher in the offense. You want him back healthy, even if that means week four versus week one. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. You know, and I'm not trying to play scared here, but you know, I trust inside injuries when it comes to injury evaluation more than I do myself. Yeah. Yes, yes. I do. I trust them more than me, and I trust them more than you do. They're the experts in the field, and we should always be trusting expertise. Sometimes you don't really feel that way necessarily in this country, but expertise is a very good thing. We've got a few more flyby news items from Wednesday's practice. One more big thing to talk about. We'll hit on those right after this. All right, Jake, a few more flyby news items that I want to discuss with you, and then one last big picture item to get to. Let's start with the flyby things. Cliff Kingsbury says Kenyon Drake is improving. Still didn't practice Wednesday. We'll be keeping a close eye on this. Kenyon Drake still going to be, no matter what, probably late first, early second round pick. Actually, let me get your opinion on this really quickly. <laughs> if if we get good word on Kenyon Drake before next week, where are you taking him? If I get, well, if I get what, that he sheds the boot? Can that Sh- be the good word? Sheds the boot, so- yep. So I was already one of the lowest people on Kenyon Drake. I even included the article of the projections that I hate, the eight projections. One of them was Kenyon Drake because he was inside my top ten. I don't feel comfortable about it. We've talked about it before. I just feel like his game-to-game variance is going to be too frustrating. For an RB1, I would love to have him as my RB2. Now, if you take a running back in the first round, he might be your RB2, and I'll, I'll do that every single time. The problem is being inside that top ten. If he sheds the boot, I'll be willing to take him in the second round again. As of today, as of now when we're recording this podcast, he is still wearing the boot. I know Cliff Kingsbury says it's precautionary, but I don't remember the last time somebody's worn a boot, come out of it, and be like, yep, I just wore it for a week just to make sure. Like it just that I don't remember the last time it happened. So as of today, I have him at RB14. I would still take Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. Now we're inside the top 10. I'll take all those guys. Before that, Kenyon Drake was right ahead of Nick Chubb. So that's the difference is Chubb, Eckler, Jacobs, and Jones slid in front of them just because if I'm drafting this weekend, I'm not taking that risk with those names on the board. Yeah, with you there this weekend, I'll take all those guys ahead of him unless we get good word uh, in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, Coming out of Bears camp, we get word from both of our Bears beat writers, Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane. Nick Foles had the best quarterback session that either he or Mitch Trubisky have had thus far in camp, uh, speculating that if the decision were to be made today that perhaps Nick Foles is just a little bit ahead of Mitch Trubisky. A.J. Green returned to practice on Wednesday, hurt his hamstring the very first day of Bengals practice. Obviously not what he or the Bengals wanted, 
but the fact that they were comfortable getting him back in a full practice participation two-plus weeks out from their first game of the season, that definitely is a good sign. Alan Lazard has, quote, solidified himself as the number two receiver in Green Bay. This coming from our Packers beat writer, Matt Schneidman. You, me, and Brandon have talked about Alan Lazard. Jake, one of our favorite guys to circle around to. No one really fights you for him. Wide receiver, 55, 60, somewhere in that range in ADP. Maybe that's going to climb a little bit over these next couple of weeks, but even if it does, he is not going to be prohibitively expensive in your drafts or auctions. Definitely a good guy to think about. Aaron Rodgers usually makes good use out of both his top two wide receivers. The last thing I really want to get into with you, Jake, comes from New England. A little bit of a surprise on Wednesday from the Patriots. Sonny Michel coming off the PUP list. We thought this could be something that dragged into the season with his foot injury. That is not the case. And me and DVR have talked about this situation a few times on this show. And I just keep saying, this just feels like the biggest headache in the league, even before Michelle was coming back with Damian Harris, with James White, obviously having his role with Lamar Miller, eventually getting into the offense with Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick. It just feels like a situation I want to avoid entirely. Now it seems like we're throwing Sony Michelle back into the mix in a more significant way and perhaps earlier than we were expecting. I mean, I want no part of this Patriots backfield. For me personally, that includes James White. I could see where people would want to get in on James White at cost, but I just don't want any part of this backfield. Well, see, the thing is, James White at cost is still coming cheap. It's like he's still being drafted as an RB4 and is going to be an RB3 and half in full point PPR. So I'm fine with James White. And I'm fine with Damian Harris. I actually have a lot of Damian Harris. I'll continue to have a lot of Damian Harris because he's still essentially, as of today, free. And, yeah, he'll start to move up with these news, like you mentioned with Lazard. Uh, these guys will start to get buzzed, depending on your draft and how many people in your league are paying attention. They'll move up a little bit. I will still take Damon Harris. I have said this the entire offseason, and I'll continue to repeat the same thing in case you haven't heard it yet, is people were scared for Sony Michelle's value last year when they drafted Damian Harris because of Damian Harris's talent, who's Damian Harris in college, also made people question if he was the better prospect than Josh Jacobs, like remember, this is a, a pedi- this is a high end pedigree for a running back, and I'm not saying we can trust Belichick, but the one thing I definitely don't trust more than Belichick is Sony Michelle's knees. <laughs> so right now, where Damian Harris is going, I'll absolutely take that chance that he's the lead because it's double digit rounds, and if he's not, and it's still Sony Michelle, or if it's just a complete headache, and the only person we can trust again is James White, then you just drop him. I mean, what 11th, 12th, 13th rounder are you so set on anyway? That's true. I mean, you're not really heartbroken if you end up dropping Damian Harris if it doesn't pan out. It just feels as though this is just going to be another Patriot situation, right? I mean, Corey Dillon comes in for one year, and they're willing to give it to him. Steven Ridley comes in for one year. They're willing to commit to him as the guy. It just, I just can't see any of these guys becoming that. And while there is really no risk with Damian Harris in terms of what you're Uh, what you're investing in him, there is an opportunity cost associated with him. There are other guys who are attractive in that same draft day neighborhood, and it just feels to me that there are plenty of situations that have a better chance of panning out than this one, given all the factors at play. Yeah, see, I I actually, for the upside of, and I'm not saying he's LeGarrette Blount because he's not, but, you know, like the glare, there are years where it works out, and there are years where, you know, if we could just clear out the backfield, like, I think the biggest thing right now is that Rex Burkhead's healthy. Like, like I, nobody's mentioning him as like, right. oh, that's a big factor. But I think I think that's the part that we're not even factoring. Well, we are, but we're not saying it because that's a fourth running back in the mix. Is the, you know, if we knew it was just those three, James White's role is going to be James White's role. Like, it's mm-hmm. not going to change. We know that. That's the one good thing about him, and that's the one good thing about the rest of this backfield. So it comes down to Michelle versus Harris, and for the upside, that's where I'm going. Like. 
let's talk about Sony Michelle last year. If Harris does what Sony Michelle does last year, he's an RB3 and he's usable almost every single week. The problem is, is we don't know if he's going to push him aside. That's the question. And th- so that's where I'm willing to take the chance right now. All right. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And again, Damian Harris, even if he comes up a little bit, probably going to be a pretty darn affordable guy on track. I'm trying to find the ADP as of right now. It's right in that like low 50 range. He's like RB 50. He's still right around there. So it's going to be, it's going to be someone who you can talk yourself into if you're just basing it straight off cost and what the upside might be. Yeah. It's, it's Harris, Hines, Adrian Peterson, AJ Dillon, Sony Michelle. I like, I'm taking him over all those. The only one that's in this range is Chase Edmonds, but Chase Edmonds is in front of him. Everybody behind him, mm-hmm. Josh Kelly, Darrington Evans, yep. Anthony McFarlane, Carlos, like those are all backups. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, the upside with with Harris is definitely better than all those guys. So even with this Sony Michelle news, perhaps he is someone that you should, should still have in mind as you get into the later rounds on your draft day. That's going to do it for us, Jake. You, I mean... Bravo, man. First run of fantasy football in 15. You come right in. You knock it out of the park. Can't say I'm surprised. That's going to do uh, it right here. Can I, can I throw one thing in at you? <laughs> you know I have to do it. I will say, if you're looking for defenses to exploit, especially if you're playing like DFS, week one, Steelers, the Giants just lost Xavier McKinney, as well as a linebacker who was in the mix to start. The Giants defense is going to be garbage this year <laughs> that's gonna be fun for us, especially in some of those nfc east games to get uh, get those guys maybe even a little bit more incentive to get invested in a couple of those teams but we gotta set we gotta wrap it up jake this is 15 yes. minutes no go ahead we gotta go wrap ahead. it up i'm gonna wrap it up here uh rate review subscribe all those good things for jake seeley i am michael beller fantasy football in 15 we'll be back with you tomorrow tomorrow with another special guest you're gonna have to tune in to find out until then thanks for listening have a great day